Today is the disappearance day of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and also of Srila Kadadar Das Pandit. So, um, or Srila Kadadar Pandit. So these two personalities are obviously um, very significant personalities. Um, we will speak mostly about uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur today. Um, um, but a few words about our Gadadhar Pandit. Um, it is stated that Gadadhar Pandit appeared on Amavasya, on the uh, dark moon, on the day of the, or the night of the dark moon. So it is said that that is the case because Gadadhar is a personality who remains obscured in in uh, in our tradition. So what does that mean? Um, it means that Sila Kadadar Pandit is is understood to be Shakti Tattva. He is understood to be an expansion of Srimati Radharani, right? So within the entire Pancha Tattva. And at the same time, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna Nayanya, is none other than Radha and Krishna. Because when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, became inspired to appear in this world and to, to taste the mellows of love of God, um, he particularly desired to taste that mood of Shimata Radharani, of that, the depth of her love, because she is the, uh, the deepest of all when it comes to love of God. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, being Krishna, took that golden color. Mm. What to do? Try and pet it on the back, the baby is suffering. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, because, <clears throat> and I'm so sorry to cause these side of things, but it's like, Babies have the powers to make, make a speaker brain dead. <laughs> it's like just cotton wool. Um, yes, so. Sila Bhakti Vinoda, uh, no, see? Sila Gadadhar Pandit is the expansion of Srimata Radharani. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, at the same time, is, is also uh, appearing in that mood of Radharani. And it is, said, it is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who has taken all, all the qualities and attributes of Srimata Radharani, leaving very little for Gadadhar Pandit. So Gadadhar Pandit is basically like a shadow. Um, the... Uh, 
because all the moods of Radharani are just expressed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Gadadhar Pandit is therefore um, not revealing anything of these these moods and mellows and just is almost more like Rukmini has become submissive and, and, and just a submissive servant and not the uh, sometimes rebellious mood of Srimata Radharani. Uh, uh, when Krishna uh, told Rukmini that he was not worthy of, uh, of her, then uh, that she should have married someone else, then Rukmini uh, just, just became quiet and, uh, and, and, and shocked, right? Radharani would have uh, gone in a state of anger or something and would have uh, maybe not talked to Krishna for a few days. <laughs> a different mood. Yes. So now, Gadadhar is the faithful servant in the background. And, in, and it stays like that. Yes. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was worshipping Gora Gadadhar in his uh, Svananda Sukhada Kunja, in his house in, uh, in uh, Sarup Ganj. Or, um, and it is bewildering, in a sense, this, uh, this Gora Gadadhar worship. Uh, we are very... Uh, how does that work? You know, is there a hidden... Radha Krishna dynamics going on in the uh, in the Panchatattva. So, no, this is uh, this is rejected um, by our current acharyas. When I speak about the current acharyas, I'm speaking particularly about Srila Bhaktivinotakura, speaking about Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakura and speaking about Srila Prabhupada. Uh, these three acharyas are very much the acharyas of the modern world. They have together brought Krishna consciousness to, to the world that we live in. Uh, the world uh, that has become uh, so complicated, right? Today, I felt a moment of liberation as I, st as I stepped out of the house and as we drove away, and I realized I forgot my phone. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, okay, I guess I'm not going to read anything during this class, uh, what to do. Uh, uh, there are so many nice things to read. But then, about, from Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his own words, so many nice things. But there are also many nice things to say, even without reading. Uh, anyway, so Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he explained, uh, he worshipped Gorgadadar. And... But also understanding that when the 
Radha and Krishna dynamics between Gaur and Gadadhar become active, that then they transform into Radha Madhava. So, because only there that relationship is active, and otherwise that relationship is simply in a mood of dasya, where uh, in the Panchatattva it is explained the relationships are are of service. Sri uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does not enter into different rasas with different devotees, like Madhurya Ras is not being experienced there. It is Dasya. And when Madhurya becomes active, then it's Radha Madhava. So we begin uh, by singing uh, our song, our Radha Madhava song. And we sing it every day. Uh, but of course, it is Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur who, who gave us that song and who gave us that meditation on Radha Madhava. So in his worship of uh, of um, of Gora Gadadhar, he is also worshipping Radha Madhava. Mm. Um, as far as the family lineage of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, we see that his maternal family was uh, was from a village near Ranagat, which is not far from Mayapur. Um, and uh, and how, yes, uh, that village has its own history. Uh, there is a place one can visit, there is a house, there are many things in, there that remind of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. There's also a, temp, a small temple uh, dedicated to Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Um, but what happened there is a little intense. So that place, uh, you know, if we look at his life, yeah, then just that alone would be like something because the situation was that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, he, he did stay there for some time in his youth. It was the home of the maternal side of the family. And... <coughs> Another lineage is traced back to Orvisa and our Gaudiya Vaishnav Fakir Mohan, who was a close associate of Gaur Govinda Maharaj and a historian and a PhD at the same time. He was deeply absorbed in, in studying Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He would give lectures sometimes, and he would speak, uh, and then he would sing something from this a piece of the song, and break it down, and like uh, song would come out like a like a storm, and then some more more biographical material. So he claims uh, a whole family ancestry in Orissa. Uh, 
and also identified the deities of Radhamadava being deities of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and has brought these deities many times to Vrindavan and has now left these, since he's left the world, he's also left the deities to the Krishna Balaram Mandir where these deities are now. So, um, so yes, there is worship of Gorgadadar and worship of Radhamadava. Okay, I'll begin there because this sort of connects then with uh, with Gadadar Pandit and being Radharani, but being obscured and not manifesting that mood of Radharani, and that manifests in uh, when that manifests. Then we're dealing with Radhamadav. Um, those who are thinking in this mood of developing a relationship of Madhurya Ras with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are known as the Gorangganagaris and they are counted as a uh, apasampradaya, as a, a, a deviation of proper siddhanta, proper philosophy. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta has, uh, has in his particular karate tactic uh, chopped that uh, that to pieces right, completely. I mean, so we will not go there. We will now go for a moment to the Swalikita Jivan, the uh, autobiography of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, after all, to hear directly from the Thakur, uh, what is a better source of information? So, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the thing about him is that he is so broad, he's so broad that there's practically no topic in Gaudiya Vaishnavam that he didn't touch. Right? It's just amazing. Wherever you go somewhere, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was already there. So, uh, even when it comes to autobiography, okay, there he was. He describes how the family <coughs> was not really uh, a Vaishnava family at the time, um, because Bengal is a is a place where Durga is strongly worshipped, and so the family was worshiping Durga. Uh, however, there was in the in the backyard, there was a fruit tree with uh, some red Bengali fruit, right? some sort of berry, whatever it was. And uh, they were very sweet. But there was a problem. There was a problem. The tree was haunted, and everybody knew. So if you go near that tree, there is a ghost living in this tree. But it had very sweet fruit. So as a boy, he's looking at these, these fruits on the tree, and they looked good, <laughs> very good. But at the same time, ghost. And there was a maid, and she knew everything about them that ghosts had red fiery eyes glowing like coal and that their feet would not touch the ground and all kinds of things. And she also said that if you chant the name of Ram, 
then no, then no ghost can touch you. So as a kid, he went to the tree, ram, 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 grab whatever fruits he could, and just, you know, success. Success, never touched by that, uh, by that ghost. So he developed faith. He developed faith in the, way, in the name of Ram. It works. The name of Ram, oh yes. So that's why this story is significant, um, because there was a seed of his devotion to Lord Ramachandra that developed there. Srila <clears throat> Bhaktivinoda Thakur was an educated young man. He was, uh, he was, of course, growing up in, in an India that was uh, British-dominated, in a sense. And, uh, and at that time, <clears throat> the presence of British influence in Calcutta was taken as inspiring because it wasn't just a uh, uh, some sort of military conquest or a uh, or an, rather an economical conquest that went military. No, there was also quite a cultural exchange, and uh, in some ways, the combination between Britain and uh, and and India, which its Vedic culture, went very well, because after all, um, as we saw a few days ago, Britain is pretty good at protocol when it comes to all that. Right? Who speaks when? How they sit? How they how they smile and all like that? I'm just a simple pumpkin from the Netherlands, so what do I know about such things? Yeah, so I was looking at it all from whoa, uh, sheesh, you know. Um, but yes, you know, it's like protocol. So the Vedic uh, tradition, if you look at the Manusamhita, it's also uh, just full of protocol. You're supposed to, when you speak to the superior and you have to walk away, you cannot turn your back to the superior. So you're walking backwards and sort of like, you know, then you can turn your body about three quarters, but not more than that. And all that's described in the Vedic culture. So it's extremely, in Manusamhita, in the Dharma Shastras, it's very complicated for a pumpkin. Uh, uh, yes. So, uh, but all this is is there. So, in that sense, the combination of 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 British culture and uh, an Indian culture clicked very well, and they brought this kind of Kshatriya culture, which was uh, was appreciated. And then you know there was Fort Williams, and Fort Williams was uh, basically. Uh, there was a huge settlement from Oxford in there, and they were very eager to collect manuscripts from India, which our Gopinath Acharya, who is the librarian of the Hindu faculty in Oxford, tells me there are still today many, many manuscripts in the basements of Oxford that even haven't been catalogued. 
There can be treasures there. There can be manuscripts there from Bhaktivinotakur and all kinds of things. We hope one, one devotee who will go scholarly will go dig in there one day and, let, and let's see what will come out. Uh, so yes, Srila um, Bhaktivinotakur, as an educated young man, appeared at the time in this atmosphere where, where there was a cultural, intellectual atmosphere of young Indians who were now interested in expressing their own culture through a modern Western approach, an academic approach, uh, instead of just uh, the Vedic approach, which is basically um, the teacher knows everything and he's going to teach you something and you as a student just sit and just go through the process and the teacher knows what he's doing and he's going to tell you uh, and you don't understand what he's doing but it doesn't matter in the end you will know you'll know everything ah. whereas the western approach for study is different it's more like uh, <coughs> every step of the way you try to understand well what are we learning here and why are we learning this and the professor is sort of explaining it and it's a more ascending approach. You see, the, the Vedic is descending and you just have to have faith and receive the knowledge. And the Western is, okay, you're going to, you know, now climb the ladder of knowledge and you're going to absorb all this yourself. And then, you know, you're going to have your own interpretation of all this and this we will crown with a PhD degree when you have become thoroughly uh, rooted as an original thinker within the great body of knowledge. But according to the formulas as we have conceived them. Anyway, which is not so original. Uh, you know, quite stereotype actually. <coughs> Leaving the footnote out. Uh, going then to the situation where uh, this exchange began to happen, this cultural exchange in Bengal. Sometimes this is known as the Bengali Renaissance, right? Uh, although Bengal didn't really go through exactly the same that the West went through where you had like a long time, a strong church that kind of uh, suppressed intellectual life and then finally people broke loose from it and began to uh, think freely and to, yeah, go back to a pre-Christian days, a bit to the Greeks and so on. Uh, and that's the Renaissance. Uh, Renaissance means rebirth, and what was reborn was that individualism. But the same thing, though, happened in Bengal. There was an, 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 a sense of individualism, a sense of fresh thinking, right? instead of just uh, taking everything, uh, this is tradition, and this is how it is. Right? So it was a time when Bengal flourished, when the intelligentsia began to question their own tradition and began to penetrate deep into their, uh, their values, teachings, and so on. And yeah, 
Many writers, many thinkers uh, express their views on many things. And in the middle of all of this, this, this a new generation of young, of young intellectuals, young educated people, now in the new Western system with degrees, uh, came forward. And they were known as the Badralok, so the auspicious people. So Silabhati Vinod Thakur is a, is a big voice in this Badralok generation, amongst many others. And so is Silabhati Siddhanta, also a voice in the Badralok, also part of the Bengali Renaissance era. So uh, just all this preface, just to understand who we're dealing with. And here he is, you know, writing a book like Bhakti Tattva Viveka, where he just gets into Western philosophy and just does a full analysis of Western philosophers, which, uh, you know, a, st a student of philosophy would have, uh, you know, some, some, something to sink his teeth in. It's substantial. He knows his philosophers just inside out. Right? He knows them well, and he just puts everyone in place and enters into a dialogue with Vaishnav culture. And it's Bhakti Tattva Viveka, it is. He is now exploring the Western philosophy in, in dialogue with the, uh, with the Vaishnav philosophy. And boom, 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 uh, points out the credits and discredits points out the credits and discredits of the uh, of, of Western thinkers. So we see that Sila Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, was indeed an educated person who was fully conversant with the modern uh, with the modern with modern thought, and in that sense, he was a world citizen. Uh, there is a is a biography. There are there is his autobiography, Swalikita Jivan. There is another book called uh, Hinduism in Modernity, which is is getting into this uh, uh, Bhadra Lok uh, identity of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and. The interesting thing is that this uh, this book is is written by an academic devotee. <coughs> Give me some of that. Ah. Ah. Um, written by an academic devotee and. Generally speaking, when the academic world is entering into biography, they are going to, uh, to, to great lengths to try and, uh, and, and analyze how a person uh, belongs to a certain time. And they place him in the time and circumstances where he where he's from. So they'll go in depth, what was the cultural climate in which the person appeared? Uh, I have just described it, sketched it for you. And then they begin to show how this person 
is representing that spirit of the time. So he's doing a great job in representing how Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is very much one of this Bhadralok generation and very much a person who carries the spirit of his time. And then, uh, and then we can take it a step further. And then we can also see how Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is, is just a person who is totally beyond his time and who's totally not part of his time at all, who is just a, a completely transcendental personality who is totally aloof from time and who brings us Krishna in, from so many angles and just, just really brings Krishna into his time and, and brings us Krishna for all times. Right? And how his relevance is certainly not, you know, when you define someone by a particular time, then that person also, you know, you see his glories and you see his limitations. It's like Copernicus, you know, like as an example, a great scientist in his time, absolutely brilliant, and so on. But the earth was flat, right? Which then sort of has been rejected. Of course, it is making a comeback these days, <laughs> especially the Hare Krishna movement. I mean, uh, some people in the Hare Krishna, not the Hare Krishna movement formally, of course, but there are some who are really want to make an issue about the flat earth. And of course, Srila Prabhupada commented that, well, it's flat wherever I walk, right? <laughs> uh, which was a very practical profound answer to that right it's like you know uh, and also meant that uh, we don't bother with such things right don't waste your time uh, but Copernicus although brilliant is forever uh, yeah considered outdated right he's a flat earth man you know uh, oh uh, don't take this personal. Um, <laughs> but Copernicus is not really respected. In the light of that, though, it may not be wise to, for us to jump on the flat earth horse and make now that a big agenda item, uh, because immediately the world starts to look at us like lunatics, right? Although you're talking about earth, they start thinking of the moon, you know. <laughs> yes. And we have really other agenda items, namely that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. And guess what Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was talking about? Exactly that topic. Exactly that topic. Because he was an Acharya. And this is the business of Acharyas. Acharyas have no time to waste, you know. Uh, although they make some they may make some comments about the earth, but in connection with Krishna. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur connected everything with Krishna and it's there where he's timeless and speaks to us from an eternal platform um, um, so Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, was uh, studying law right? Even he was even married at the time 
So we all know when you're a student and you're married, it's not easy. Then this this situation happened that in the maternal village, there was a uh, uh, a cholera outbreak and it just killed the whole village, practically 90% of the village. And his mother was there, so he went there. And although his grandfather, his other family members all died in that cholera outbreak, somehow or other his mother was alive. So he picked up his mother from, from there. And, you know, that's a very uh, big tragedy, right? That could be also defining. You know, when you look at a biography, you think, yes, okay. And then came this earth-shattering experience in his life. He, his, his whole family got wiped out by cholera and for the rest of his life, you know. No, nothing for the rest of his life, right? It didn't seem to... Uh, to touch him on a deeper level at all. Uh, we don't hear about it anymore. We don't see no reflections about that. He's not talking about it. He did pick up his mother, though. And with that, he had a wife and a mother to take care of while he was uh, studying. So that's uh, quite uh, complex. Uh, then, Srila Bhaktivinoda is the author uh, a hundred, a hundred different books on so many topics. Uh, major ones, uh, of course, Jaiva Dharma. Jaiva Dharma is a super interesting book because it's a book uh, about hundred years after the disappearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There was a community of Vaishnavas in Navadvip, and that community is described. They were following in the footsteps of the Goswamis. So they, they were living, taking the Babaji Vesh, right? The dress of Babaji's, the, the, the lifestyle of Babaji's. And uh, so there's this group, and they're living in Godrum, which happens to be the island where Bhaktivinoda Thakur is quite at home. They're living in Godrum. Uh, there is nearby the Navadvip community, which are rooted into Nyaya and into uh, scholastic discussion, just as our Nimai Pandit used to be, and it carries on like that. And uh, So there is this Brahmanism, smarter Brahmanism, right? More Brahminical than Brahminical. Dharma Shastra is everything. Yes, everything. So, therefore, rules, yeah, a little bit of Niyamagraha as we would uh, analyze that, a little bit of, of excessive attachments to rule and reg rules and regulations, and, um, which is, Smarta Brahmanism has, uh, has influenced India for the last, the last millennium. So, there is this, this cultural element in India of not allowed. Oh. Sorry, sorry, Pandaji. Yes, it's like I, I, I was drinking water in front of the deity, and, and like because it was forty-five degrees in, in one temple, and some Brahman. It's like I was the water, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know. It's okay, you know. 
Krishna's not so bad, you know. <laughs> so have a little water. It's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, the Yamagraha. Uh, anyway, so Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes all these dynamics. Then he places the book into the Bengali culture of uh, of a hundred years after Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we're going like really in the in the culture that's of the Bengali culture that's that hasn't been touched by communism that is still very pu- pure and 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 uh, and so we're getting a glimpse of Bengali culture. And then on the stage uh, of these Babaji's, many people appear. And there, you know, some Muslims appear, some some shaktas appear, right? Durga worshippers, Kali worshippers, and debates are unfolding. Then some, you know, and it's interesting. Then you see some politics and conniving and and all this in the books. It's like, uh, you know, there is this scholar, there's a Raghupati Upadhyaya, and he is quite learned, but there is one thorn in his side and this is a certain Brajanat and this Brajanat oh, he is just the greater scholar so but I think so one day he goes on the banks of the of the river to the crematorium and he starts on the dark moon night a ritual to the goddess by throwing the ashes into the fire and speaking mantras and invoking the goddess and then and then clouds are are packing up in the sky and suddenly a cold gust of wind is blowing over the plains then a voice from the sky says my dear <laughs> The one that is the obstacle in your life soon will be no more. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has us on the edge of our seat. Whoa, what's coming? And here's Vrajanath, and he is becoming a devotee by the association of the Babaji's. What will happen to him? Will he just get destroyed by this curse? I mean, we sometimes hear devotees who say they have been cursed. The ast- an astrologer in India told them. And yes, they wear a ring and a, and a stone and everything and so many, and, and also have to do some pujas. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> but demigod puja. But what can you do? It's like, yeah. <sighs> So what happens to Vrajanath? Ah, Vrajanath's okay. Yes, Vrajanath will be no more because because he gives up this mundane scholarship and becomes a full-time devotee. Meanwhile, as he's becoming a devotee, he keeps on asking uh, different questions about the philosophies. And in all the discussions, this is explained. In this way, this Jaiva Dharma offers us a full display of the philosophy. It offers us juicy stories, politics, you know, like uh, conniving and manipulation and dark pujas and it's like all kinds of 
interesting stories. So it gives us a deep insight in the philosophy, in the culture of Bengal, the cultural setting, only 100 years after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, and, uh, I mean, we can think about it. hundred years, if, if Lord Chaitanya left in 1533, which is what is thought, uh, <coughs> 1633, Krishna Kavi lived till 1615. So, you know, it's not far. Yeah. So it's very much uh, the entire... It's a good point in time, because... All the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu have appeared, have left, made their contribution, and then you are getting the insight. So in this way, Jaiva Dharma is a very significant book in our tradition, and uh, the whole philosophy from beginning to end is covered in, in, deep, in great technical detail. So we draw a lot from there. Plus, dialogue is also going on. It's like there's with the Muslims, there's a whole discussion about the worship of the deity form. And, you know, because they are known as, as iconoclasts, no form, and breaking the deities. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur gets into it. So in this way, uh, the book is very relevant for our own spiritual life and for understanding the philosophy and for... Uh, for entering into dialogue. In this way, um, I just sampled one book now of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur because you can talk the whole day just about the books of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, okay, I spoke two books, Bhakti Tattva Viveka and Jaiva Dharma. Another major book is Chaitanya Sikhsamrita, which is basically... Um, giving us the essential conclusions of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement and very clearly in that way capturing the, uh, the um, philosophy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Another book is, is a short book, uh, the, the, the Life and Precepts of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which Srila Prabhupada as a whole uh, just included in the introduction of the first canto of Bhagavatam. You just put it in. Right? And that book also went to the McGill University right? in, uh, in 1896, which is interesting, which was the birth year of Prabhupada. And that same year, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur sent that book to, uh, to the McGill University. It's just uh, nice... Uh, kind of foreboding what is coming. Um, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur is the pioneer of preaching in the West, uh, not only the one who brought Krishna consciousness to the West. Um, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, he established the birth site, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He researched it for a long time. People said it was a Navadvip, didn't make sense. Some people said it was under the Ganga, because Ganga had moved, didn't make sense. He found old maps, eventually he identified the place, confirmed by Sila Jagannathas. Babaji, Gauravi, Bhavabhumi, Stramnidi, Sasajana, Priya, Vaisnav, Sarvabhoma, Jagannathai, Namaha. He gave all the credit to 
Jagannadas Babaji, because Jagannadas Babaji, he was the Acharya at the time, the great ex- uh, accepted by all Babaji. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a householder, you know, so, you know, who's this householder, right? So uh, it was the Babaji who was who confirmed to the world. And then Bhaktivinoda Thakur didn't just discover the birthplace, then he writes Navadvipta Mahatmya. Okay, Navadvipta Mahatmya, uh, a book that describes the whole Dham and so on, and and reveals to us how Sri Ramai, poor yoga pit, is the center, and so on and so on. And here we are. He begins the... Uh, the, the concept of the Adbhuta Mandir, the great temple that will appear in Mayapur, which is the place of worship that will unite the world. So Srila Bhaktivinoda there he gives us that whole vision, and Srila Bhaktisiddhanta filled it in with the Navadvip Mandal Parikrama, and in this way, and, and Prabhupada fills it in more by, you know, like, actually having the big temple constructed. And so we see how they uh, create Mayapur as the central place of worship for all all Vaishnavas of the world uh, with an agenda to unite all the, sam- all the Sampradayas, to create a meta-Sampradaya, an umbrella-Sampradaya that can just absorb all others. Uh, because ultimately... Uh, the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are the culmination of all the teachings of the previous Vaishnava Acharyas. So, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, his son, uh, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, uh, although he was initiated by Gorkasurdas Babaji by the arrangement, that meant second initiation. The first, he actually, Harinam Diksha, Srila uh, Bhaktisiddhanta gave to his son, Bhaktisiddhanta. So in one sense, in, in terms of ISKCON's, in today's understanding, actually Srila Bhaktisiddhanta would be the disciple of, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur because he took his, his Harinam there. And we say Harinam is the real connection. And then the second initiation, the what is known as the formal diksha, that is secondary. Uh, but previously, that was established. That is essential because that is initiation. Because it's only Srila Bhaktisiddhanta that established Harinam as, as, uh, as, as very prominent in the whole process of initiation. Prior to that, you just go, initiation means you're getting Gayatri. Uh, when Mahaprabhu went for initiation, he got Gayatri. That's it. Anyway, so he gave Harinam to, uh, to, to his son, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. And that co- com- the connection was so strong uh, that uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta would, uh, would call the deities different names, and he would always start with Vinod. Right? So many deities installed by Bhakti Siddhanta. Bhakti Siddhanta. Uh, Vinod Bihari, Vinod, Vinod, Vinod. Um, so his meditation on Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur, the, com- the connection between those two, 
was just completely transparent. Yes. Uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was completely the servant of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur. And we see the same in Srila Prabhupada, who is the servant of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Um, and Prabhupada said, how is it that this miracle happened to me? And um, yes, he said, there, I had so many God brothers that were so qualified, more learned, more so qualified. He said, but somehow or other, it, this miracle happened to me. I can see only one reason. It is because I sent percent followed the order of my spiritual master, this is Prabhupada. So we see the, the, the line and the transparency of these three Acharyas. They are one. They are one. Therefore, this is not just uh, another day. This is not just, uh, oh yeah, on the Vaishnav calendar, uh, there is also the disappearance day of Srila Bhakti Vinodhaku. Yeah. No, it's not at all like that. Uh, this is like a formative day. This is like an essential day. This is the day of the, the architect of, of Krishna consciousness, as we know it, uh, these three Acharyas, Bhaktivinotakur, Srila Bhaktivinotakur, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, Srila Prabhupada, these three Acharyas are just taking this Krishna consciousness into the Western world. It is Srila Bhaktivinotakur who gives us the vision of a lotus that is gradually opening. He makes that statement, the lotus is gradually opening. So we get this Krishna consciousness and the Acharyas are gradually opening the lotus. And as the lotus, as we see some shifts. We see like first the focus on Diksha, then Harinam, like I explained. There's a shift there. The lotus is opening. We're becoming more aware of the mercy of Mahaprabhu, the mercy of the holy name. And as we become more aware of the holy name, we turn to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who gives us another book, Harinam Chintamani. And there it is. He goes into the Chaitanya Charitamrita, where there's a discussion between Haridas Thakur and uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and others. And he just uh, draws a whole conversation from there which comes into Harinam Chintamani and then gives us a very deep insight in the chanting of the holy name and and he makes the statement that in this world there is only uh, Srinam and the Jiva only that's all there is Nam and Jiva now think about that that's all there is it's all there is. Everything else is not. Every, that means everything else is maya. I'm sure our Sanskrit scholars can give you an intricate seminar on how the word maya means is not. Right? That it's like, it's not. So it basically means it, it's not real. Only the name and the jiva. What a statement. Whoa. That's enough to chew on for breakfast today. Uh, that's enough to, to, uh, to just meditate. Um, it's very hard. It's good that I forgot my phone because, you know, I would be still in the introduction, as you can see. I, I don't get 
I can't even dip into detail. If now I would have to start reading from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then I throw off the manner schedule completely. I'm already throwing it off a little bit, uh, stealing my my ten Swami minutes. Uh, uh, we should uh, read something from Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I think whether we turn to the songs where Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, is glorifying Krishna and Lord Chaitanya. Kiba Jaya Jaya Gorachande. Yeah, there he. Whether uh, we are entering in deep meditation in the songs of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur that glorify Krishna. Vibhavari Sesa Alakabhavrindavan Vindavan. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has given us that meditation. Or or whether he gets into describing himself in the mood of, of a catharsis, in the mood of, I am so fallen, I am so sinful, I have wasted this human form of life, my mind is wicked, right? And now as an old man, I'm simply lamenting, lamenting over the time that I have wasted. When I speak about this, I always look at someone whose hair is a little gray, <laughs> just to drive the point home, you know. So, see the Bhakti Thakur, but even if your hair is not gray yet, we're already wasting our life. We haven't wasted it yet fully, uh, if when we're young, but we're already well on the way. <laughs> we're getting ready to waste it again, another life. But here is the Adi Acharyas. Here is Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, so absorbed, so absorbed in Krishna consciousness, so absorbed in his practices. Um, Rupa Vilas Prabhu, disciple of Srila Prabhupada, wrote to Seventh Goswami, another, uh, another a biography worth reading, with a lot of research like this. Enough to read. Read the songs, read the books, read a book of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, read about Bhaktivinoda Thakur. If you just have, I don't have the book, download it, you know. <laughs> download it. Uh, from the from the net, and surely you'll find it and read it on your phone. You may as well read something else on your phone than the same old regular everyday <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> the Facebook finger, um, and even if you can't resist Facebook, put things about Bhaktivinoda Thakur on there. Let, let all of Facebook offer obeisances to Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur today. Let Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur be on our mind when you talk to your neighbor. Tell him about Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And in this way, let us uh, celebrate, celebrate 
the transcendental appearance day, disappearance day of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and in this way get the greatest blessings. I will just end because it's quarter to nine. It's like um, there's so much more that can be said that is better. We don't say anything. Um, but all I will say is Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Tirubhav Mahamahotsavaki, Jai. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Tirubhav Mahamahotsava. Ki jai Ananta Kuti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki jai Vaishnava Thakur Ki jai Gora Bhakta Vrinda Ki jai Nitai Gora Premanande Hare Krishna Thank you very much Srila Prabhupada Ki jai